It is the 200 level episode 301, The Great Pivot. This is an annual tradition for Illini fans, and that is when you switch from football to basketball. And I didn't think it was going to happen already. I thought that this weekend coming up was going to be Illini basketball, a cherry on top of the main event, which was going to be Saturday at Ann Arbor. And that's not at all the case. No, we are now pivoting to basketball season, partly out of necessity, partly out of self-preservation, because the last two weeks have been a major bummer. Now, I've been kind of going back and forth in this pivot of what I was going to talk about first. And I'm going to start with football. Can you believe it? I'm, I'm still going to start with that. But it's not coming from a good place, and I want to get the negativity out of the way. I'm going to try to do that, exercise the demons early on. I'm pissed off at this team. In the stages of grief, I think it's anger, denial, acceptance, maybe, or denial, anger, acceptance, and you might know better than I do. I'm probably screwing up that order, but I'm in the anger part of it right now and have not really accepted the fact that this is what it is. It's the lost opportunity of what the season could have been that's really kind of peeving me off right now, and that what you have in front of you is a Michigan game that should have been kind of a... I've already used the word cherry on top, but that's essentially what it should have been, right? It should have been, well, let's go see what happens. And you would have felt good about it. But right now it is a let's go see what happens. And part of me is thinking if we come out and actually play well against Michigan, I'm going to be ticked off thinking, well, if you had just done that against Purdue, then you can afford a loss to Michigan. No one would have held it against you. Now, college football is weird, and I want to get this out of the way real quick. I would not be surprised if Saturday is competitive and you're probably just shaking your head at your car stereo system or your phone, however you're listening to this and thinking, Carp, get out of here. Come on. I could see it being competitive. It's going to be a freezing cold day in Michigan. It's going to be a very vanilla game played on both sides, I think, where just essentially run the ball, play defense. Michigan's better at you in both of those departments, even before the last two-game stretch, you probably could have argued that Michigan was better than Illinois. I wasn't so sure. I thought that Illinois coming into this game was going to have a damn good shot. And if you recall, after the Nebraska game, I predicted Illinois to win out. Whoops! Now I look like a fool. I mentioned how I'm tired of being bamboozled and feeling foolish, but partly that's my own damn fault for falling into the trap, which I so often have, the few times that Illinois gives me those slivers of hope in football. Not all is lost. You know, this season, if you were to ask me what would make it successful, you got to beat Northwestern, duh, and you got to win your bowl game. And you are going to be in a bowl game now where the matchup should be more favorable for you. I even had a thought today as I saw some bowl projections and saw Music City Bowl. I thought, you know, maybe I'll go down and no, I'm not going to fall into that trap. I already moved on from going to whatever bowl game it is because I've decided that I can't emotionally invest in this team to the degree that I wanted to in the degree that I did. So Saturday is going to be kind of a weird feeling. We're going to be up in Michigan. I will take my little mixer up there. So in case Illinois does well in the Vegas tournament, maybe do an impromptu pod or in the off chance that they beat Michigan, (laughs) right? I'll have my stuff there to hook up real quick, but It's going to be weird to wake up there and probably eat the two tickets. I'm not going to use them, so be on the lookout maybe for a ticket giveaway 
later this week. If you happen to be going up to Ann Arbor, I might be able to just gift you a couple. Um, I'll, I'll have that on Twitter at Fanboy Carp. We'll, we'll probably do something like that because it isn't selling on StubHub because I think even Michigan fans are saying it's too damn cold. And they're going to save their pennies for the trip over to Columbus the next week. So it's just anticlimactic, and that's a bummer, because the entire season felt like this big climax, and then all of a sudden, we're already in the, as I teach the kids in our story arc unit, we're in the falling action resolution, and I don't like this resolution. I don't. It's ending with a whimper in a way that I didn't think it was going to, and this sort of fun, what the hell kind of Saturday in Ann Arbor has been replaced with, ugh, do we, do we need to watch it? I joked with Kara because she said, now, if you guys lose on Saturday, is that going to ruin your day? I said, no, because it's all about the expectations going in. I expected us to be Purdue and knew, boy, if we don't be Purdue, I'm going to be pissed off. That was the mindset going in. And what do you know? I was pretty pissed off. And it's still kind of lingering to Wednesday. I'm still thinking about it. Opening a podcast after Illinois basketball looks freaking fantastic. The last two non-conference games ahead of a big tournament in Vegas, top 20 team, chance to be top 10 after this weekend, and here I am talking about an Illinois football team that blew it. They choked, and that kind of shows I can't quite shake it. I'm angry at this team because I cannot shake the emotion that I had invested in them. A 7-1 start, the way it felt, the way the fall was just better, and it ends with a thud. And while it's not over yet, the fun, momentum, crazy carpet ride that we were all on, that probably is over. The only thing that can really regain momentum anywhere near what you were feeling, three weeks ago, and actually, let's even shorten it up, you beat Nebraska, what was it, 17, 18 days ago. I had a podcast that Sunday, the day after, so that would have been 17 days ago. I was high as a kite. And thinking, oh my God, this is just incredible. We're going to win the next two games. We're going to win out. The only thing to regain that kind of momentum would be to beat Michigan. I'm not going to say it's impossible. And I don't know if Chase Brown is playing. If he's not playing, good luck. Good luck anyways. But keep this in mind. In 1999, Illinois, I think they were 4-4 four and four at the time, or maybe 4-3. and three. They lose at home to Minnesota, 37-7. I assume that was the Glenn Mason era. The next week, you go up to Michigan in late October, and you beat, I think, number nine, Michigan. You were trailing in that game, I think, 20-7, to and then you had the crazy comeback. Rocky Harvey with the two big plays late. Incredible comeback that really got that 99 season rolling after some stops and some starts. Now, that's apples and oranges. That is anecdotal. I think back in 1993, Johnny Johnson had a late game-winning drive to Ken Dilger or Jason Dulick. I forget. One of the two guys catches the game-winning touchdown in the end zone at the big house. They wrap up an unexpected win. Now, this is a number three-ranked Michigan team. I don't know if they are the third-best team in the country, but they're undefeated, and based off of their success last year, and what I assume will be another very good game in Columbus, yeah, they're really, really good. However, the manner in which they play football is not all dissimilar from what you do when you're actually playing well. Illinois hasn't been playing well. But these two teams going head-to-head on an absolutely frigid day in Ann Arbor. Windy as well. It's not just going to be cold. It's going to be windy in there. So you got basically a wind bowl in the big house. Miserable. Probably not the most excited crowd, just wanting to get in and get out and warm up. I don't know. 
It just seems to me like weather has been an issue the last two weeks. Crazy win for Michigan State, nasty stuff for Purdue, and now here you are with just a dead, cold tundra in the northern Midwest. Crazier things have happened in a weird way, given how Illinois responded after the losses to Rutgers last year and going up to Minnesota, or the loss to, oh gosh, after the Wisconsin loss at home, they go up to Penn State and win in nine overtimes. Now, they've lost two games in a row. I thought they were going to bounce back last week, but I don't know. They they were flat as could be. Now, with nothing to play for, does this team come back out with an edge? I'm not banking on anything. I just think that the weirdness of college football might make this kind of interesting. Jesus, here I am, 10 minutes into this freaking thing, talking Illinois football. See, it infuriates me. What I want to be talking about is, ah, it's all right, we're 8-2 and two and all this. No, well, we can't do that. Um, and I'm not even thinking about Indy. I already canceled the hotel, and uh, <laughs> they blew it. But I will still watch on Saturday. And while I will be as emotionally divested as I have been all season, going back to the Virginia game, and good Lord, what a week for them. But going back to that week, I was in a, okay, whatever happens, happens. Well, that's going to be me on Saturday. So I'm unencumbered. And if they win, I'll be ecstatic. If they lose, that's to be expected. Maybe that's not a bad place to be as a fan. But the alternative sure would have been fun. Now, on the other hand, this weekend, you have a major opportunity for Illinois basketball in Vegas. And that's what I want to get to after I hit up the sponsors. DPDO, online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. That is dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign Urbana. So on this snowy ugh, evening, why not stay inside, stay warm, have a nice hot toddy or a whiskey drink, and they can deliver a calzone piping hot to your doorstep. Order online at dpdo.com. Rector Construction, online at R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com. Don't let this cold snap fool you into thinking they can't work on exterior projects basically year-round. They, they basically can. So go online to rectorconstruction.com and get a free quote today for any home exterior project. These guys are expert craftsmen, great customer service, and they're also local fellas that give back to the community. As a townie, I appreciate that and appreciate their support. That's rectorconstruction.com. Got to give thanks to Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. They're our newest sponsor, and it is quite timely for me to remind you you got to get that furnace checked. We're beyond sweatshirt weather. We're in parka weather. And fortunately, our furnace is tip-top shape. It is purring like a kitten. Thanks to Matthew, the technician from Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. You can give them a call today at 217-841-4728. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend at 217-841-4728. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. We get great State Farm prices, as you would expect, but also the customer service that is truly second to none. That's our good friend, Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. All right, everybody. Alani basketball time. Oh, real quick, if you can rate and review us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. And it's time for a quick coffee drink. And it's not just for the taste of coffee, but the warmth of it right now that I really enjoy it. Fortunately, the basement studio stays relatively toasty because I'm right next to the furnace. Illinois, big opportunity, everybody. They are going into Vegas 3-0, and and you got to consider the opponents they've played not very good, suffice to say. But 
this is a weekend where I think they can get a win out there. I, I think they can get a win, and if they get two, then we're talking completely differently. Let's start with what makes this team different from Illinois teams of the last few years, all three of which were really good the last three seasons in their own ways. But the one thing you would never accuse any of those teams being is super athletic. They played a more methodical style on offense, and their defense was adjusted in, I think, what, mid of year, middle year two for Brad Underwood when he realized he didn't have the guys to do this sort of havoc pressure defense. Well, now you do, and it's not just that you have athletes. It's that the average guy on this team is, what, a six 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 seven athletic freak, and the starting lineup alone shows this sort of positionless basketball that I remember Brad Underwood harping on, but not buying full stock into that, thinking, dude, you don't have the guys for that. Well, now he has really made the team and the program in his image, and it's been fun to watch. I tuned into the Monmouth game on Monday, did not go to the stadium, did not do a post-game pod because I was still somewhat deflated from what had happened in the Illinois-Purdue game. But boy, what an elixir that was as an Illini fan, a palate cleanser, if you will, to see what that team did going up 8 nothing in the first minute and then just absolutely dominating a, yes, very bad Monmouth team. But it's not just that this team's athletic. It's that they're starting to kind of coalesce into their roles. To give you some examples, Terrence Shannon Jr. is your star. And I had mentioned last week that what I was looking for Friday night was to see Terrence Shannon Jr. and Coleman Hawkins double down on their dominant Game 1 performances. Well, Coleman is still figuring himself out, and as much as I like Coleman, that might be an ongoing process, but one guy that already knows who he is, Terrence Shannon Jr., fifth-year senior, out of Chicago. This is a veteran guy that is now getting an opportunity to be the alpha dog, embracing it. I love his attitude on the court. There's this kind of cool demeanor that he has that seems relatively... Well, not relatively, but just not flustered about anything. And I think that bodes well for a tournament like Vegas, where someone like Terrence Shannon has been in big games and played well in big games, but now he gets to really take control of a game like this, and I don't know if UCLA has a guy to counter him. Now, there are plenty of guys on UCLA that we will have problems countering ourselves, but you are talking about one of the best guard-slash-wing players in the Big Ten, how many six, 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 seven guys can you find not only that can shoot this well, defend this well, but apparently has a transition game like Io DeSumo. And I know Brad Underwood was asked about that, according to Jeremy Warner uh, and, and Derek Piper. They did a pod after the game Monday, and I guess Brad Underwood was a little bit coy about it and said, oh, they're both equally fast. Well, the fact he didn't say, oh, get out of here, Io was, no, he, he did not dismiss it at all, which I think tells you that, yes, Terrence Shannon is just that athletic. Did not expect that coming into this year. I thought he'd be good, but this is first-team All-Big Ten kind of good in the one year that he'll be here, and I think his impact has already been felt, and he will continue to be the rock that you can lean on, not just offensively, but defensively too. But think about some other guys on this team. Think about an R.J. Melendez who in Game 1 struggled, but I think is really starting to get comfortable as this sort of scrappy hustle guy on defense that can knock down a three or two. I think he's playing within himself now in the last two games. I feel better about RJ. I feel really good about Sky Clark, who struggled in his first game, but has this comfort to his game that belies his age. He's like a 22-year-old in an 18-year-old's body, but actually, let me rephrase that. He doesn't have an 18-year-old's body. He looks and plays like a 22-year-old. So I guess... 
He's just wise beyond his years to use another cliche. Matthew Ma- Mayer, Meyer, sorry, it is Matthew Meyer, like the, the store. Yes, I'm not really sure what he's bringing to you yet, uh, but I think this kind of weekend is perfect for him. Get away from home, neutral site. He's played plenty of those at Baylor with all their NCAA tournament success. Pass, possibly play his old team on Sunday. I wouldn't be surprised if you get one big game from him this weekend. And then there are some other factors here. The, the guys that coming into the season, you were taking a wait-and-see approach. I feel like I'm missing one starter. Who am I missing? Sky Clark, Terrence Shannon Jr., R.J. Melendez. Oh, Coleman. Okay, mentioned him. And uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. No, Dane Danger. Let's spend a few minutes on this guy who right now is as efficient as Kofi Coburn ever was. And that's not to say he's going to continue to be that way because Kofi is going to have his number retired up in the rafters, and he should. But Dane Danger, I think, is technically a red shirt freshman or red shirt sophomore he's got at least three years left does not strike me as a guy that's going to go pro based on the lack of height but he is an uber skilled player and while you do consider the fact that he's done this against lesser teams what does that mean he goes from an 80 percent field goal percentage to 60 percent when he plays good teams he's got moves around the rim that are going to get him points no matter the opponent and i'm really excited to see him this weekend if not continue what he's done, at least do so against better competition to the tune of 12 points, eight rebounds a game. You can almost bank on that, I feel like. There are not many big men that I've seen, Illinois or otherwise, recently that have the smoothness to his game that Dane Danger has, but that doesn't mean he's not physical. He is. Somehow he's not picking up fouls. Somehow he's looking so fluid around the rim. For someone that doesn't have a lot of game experience, he's already this good. Dane Danger might just be really, really damn good. And I did not include that in any sort of preseason prognostication of, well, I think this team's going to win the Big Ten because a guy like Dane Danger is going to be someone you can rely on. This is a bonus. Also a bonus, Jaden Epps. I thought he's going to be a freshman, and he might still have those moments, but I don't know. He's looking really comfortable out there, and he is... Looking really good from beyond three-point range. And when you got a lineup out there with a bunch of athletes running around, Jaden Epps is going to get his, even against better competition. He can play off the ball. He can play the one a little bit. And you're seeing him comfortable with both. But the way he's played the last two games tells me he's probably, statistically speaking, going to be right there with Sky Clark in terms of production for the freshman. And I even mentioned Ty Rogers, who's my guy, and I think he's going to have a a very solid freshman year and a great career overall. But again, not trying to do too much. And when he's out there, you feel oddly comfortable. Sincere Harris making an impact, making the occasional three, two for three from three-point range against Monmouth and just flying around and being a pest on defense and getting some boards and steals. All of that is to say that these new faces that we're growing accustomed to and we're learning about, One, it's fun to see all these new faces and get to know them. But two, I'm shocked at how early I feel like I'm starting to get this guy does this, this guy does this, and so on. And the moments Monday night where offensively they were moving the ball like the 0405 team. And again, there's the caveat, consider the competition. But that kind of ball movement translates. This team's ability to get out and transition translates. Their frenetic pace on defense, that translates. And while there will be messiness, and there will be messiness this weekend, 
There might be four or five minute stretches where you're like, what the hell am I watching? This is a team that will very rarely ever be out of a game because the defense should keep them in it. And then on the nights where they're hitting shots, I don't see this team losing to many others. Not on this schedule. Now, as I look at Ken Palm, you have four games coming up, potentially, or I should say three games for sure, coming up against teams in the top 10 of Ken Palm. Texas is coming up in a couple weeks. They're two in Ken Palm. By the way, number one is Kentucky. They lose to Michigan State last night. Big win for Michigan State. Still not convinced that Michigan State is a Big Ten favorite. And that might be Kentucky figuring themselves out. They had two opportunities to close it out, and they just didn't. They gave up dunks at the end of regulation and overtime. UCLA ninth, Ken Palm. So you get them on Friday. And then Virginia and Baylor, or Baylor, Virginia, let me say, they're five and six respectively. So you have three top 10 Ken Palm teams in the same tournament as you this weekend, Illinois 26. The one thing that Ken Palm doesn't always account for, and how could it? Freshmen. And sometimes transfers. I don't know if they give them the same weight as returning players. So really, you're guessing. And we're all kind of guessing with this Illinois team. But I had this weird confidence going into this weekend that they will get one of them and that they're going to look pretty good overall. Now, fool me once. If you recall the number one seed Illinois team a couple years ago, they had a pretty rough go against Baylor in a premier preseason or non-conference matchup. I think last year there was the Arizona game at home, which was fun, but Arizona just outmatched you, and, and understandably, because they were just more talented than you were. And, oh yeah, the early season disappointments against Marquette and Cincinnati. I don't know. I mean, to me, that's apples and oranges. This is the kind of team that, oddly enough, this early in the season, I don't, I'm not so worried about whether or not this team has played together a whole lot. The way in which they're playing, and the style, I should say, in which they play, you're just running around a lot, and they're good at that. They have the guys to do that and not really having to play anyone any more than 24 minutes. Terrence Shannon will probably get 32, 33 minutes this weekend, as he should, because you need him to. But other than that, this is an ensemble cast of a bunch of guys that are just as fast as anyone on the opposition, and now they're starting to hit shots, free throws, and three-pointers. I'm thinking, well, wait a second. You know, I came into this season thinking this team is going to win the Big Ten based on the fact it is a weak Big Ten. Now I'm watching these games and thinking, yeah, okay, they're going to win the Big Ten, and I still hold to that. But this is not really a Big Ten team that we're watching. This is, like Houston last year, a team that is loaded with tweeners that are just good basketball players and freak athletes. And that is just a relentless thing for an opponent to go up against. UCLA is older. If you were to get a win against a UCLA team that has like a Tiger Campbell point guard, I think he's a senior. 100 plus starts is what I read earlier this week. And then I think they have a McDonald's All-American at center, if I recall what Jeremy was saying in his little preview about them. Listen, they're talented. They're loaded. UCLA is a very healthy basketball program right now. But at the same time, do they have anybody that can stop a guy like Dane Danger right now? I don't know. What if Dane Danger, again, is just really good? Sky Clark, what if he just goes out there and he matches Tiger Campbell for 20 minutes, 25 minutes? I don't know. It, it, it wouldn't shock me. I have this really quiet confidence in this team based on the fact that I haven't seen a group of athletes like this in Illinois on, on the basketball court since 0405. And that's not taking anything away from the last three years. And that's not saying this team's going to win as many games as the number one seed did two years ago. 
but I think they might. And we are at a position now where just because they are unknown doesn't mean that this Illinois team isn't a top 10 team in the nation. Now, hold on, Carp. You're jumping the gun. You did the same damn thing with football. I get it. I get it. But in terms of the eye test and, and recognizing that you played three scrubs, they still look the part. And there's this intangible quality to it where you look out on the court, and I have this excitement every time a game starts thinking, all right, who's going to get the first monster dunk? When on Friday, when they did the banner unveiling, and I, I don't think I talked about this Sunday, and I I was so focused on the football loss to Purdue. But on Friday, I remember texting Trevor and Isaac saying, you know, I love this feeling, this vibe around me at the stadium where the game's about to tip off and wondering who's going to get the first monster dunk. Well, of course, the very first shot that you made in the game was a monster dunk by Terrence Shannon Jr. You missed like your next 15. It was the weirdest start to a game. But there was never any doubt that you were going to run away with it because you just looked out there and you saw what you saw. You saw at any given time five really good athletic basketball players. And when I keep harping on the freakish athleticism, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that they all seem to have a pretty high basketball IQ. There will be some silly plays. There will be times I think Matthew Myers specifically is going to drive us a little bit nuts, and that's okay. I think he's going to win you a few games as well. Coleman Hawkins might still have those moments that drive you nuts. I don't know if that's the case for Terrence Shannon Jr. I don't know if Sky Clark, even though he's a freshman, is going to have too many moments where you think, oh, what a boneheaded this or that. He seems to have this savvy to his game that you would not expect even from a five-star freshman. And then you got it a scoring by committee thing going on. You don't really need to count on any one other guy because you have seven options that can score in a myriad of different ways. I think that this team is really good and not exactly the best analysis in just saying that, but for all the reasons I just gave and for this sort of intangible vibe I get and and the chemistry they're already kind of playing with, Defensively, for sure. The fact that they kind of take this much ownership over playing that kind of defense and that they know, respectively, each of them might be out on the court four or five minutes tops at any given time before they get a breath. They can go balls to the wall. And in Vegas, what I'm most excited to see about is do they come out with that immediately against UCLA? And I think they can sustain it. I really do. I mean, there will be the occasional, like any basketball game, ebbs and flows. But on Friday, what I'm going to key in on, from the outset, from the tip, do you see this team coming out with the same absolutely inspired effort that you saw in the last two games? And if you do, UCLA or not, you're going to have a good game, a very competitive game against a top 10 team. Let's say they lose both this weekend you didn't really lose anything. You got two high-quality opponents coming up, uh, or I should say added to your resume. It's not going to hurt you in terms of seeding. This is the kind of weekend that will only help because the three teams that are in this tournament along with you are all going to have big seasons and probably all win their conferences. Well, you might have a fourth conference champion in this tournament in Illinois, and what if they are the ones that make some noise? I mean, God Dang it, Michigan State in game three of the year, they beat Kentucky. That was a game after they only lost to Gonzaga by one. Do you buy that Michigan State is exponentially better than last year? I don't. I think this early in the year, there was a crapshoot quality to tournaments like this that if lightning strikes, you can go out there and just win the thing. Now, I don't expect them to win it. I expect them to split. 
And I don't know when that win is going to come. But let's say they lose Friday. I think they come out a little bit peeved on Sunday and they they sneak one out. Let's say uh, they win on Friday. Then maybe this team, as young and inexperienced as they are in some regards, they come out and a little less inspired on Sunday. I can see that kind of ebb and flow between the two games. But what I have seen so far leads me to believe they get one. And if that's the case, then that's a successful weekend. That means you move up the rankings. That means you get a really high-quality win under your belt. And then you still got Texas out there later. And Syracuse, though, I'm not sure how good Syracuse is supposed to be this year. I did not realize Texas is the number two team in Ken Palm. Jesus. Chris Beard already making noise there. But, you know, I've been watching some other Big Ten teams. I watched Purdue last night. And even though they got the win against Marquette, and even though it's, of course, going to be tough to play Purdue, and you'll probably lose that game, they aren't a Big Ten champion contender. Come on. Ohio State, maybe, but there's a lot of unknowns there. Um, Indiana, give me a break. I'm, <laughs> I don't buy them at all. Until proven otherwise, I do not buy Indiana. Sorry, I just don't. Michigan, no. Yeah, I think you're the best team in the Big Ten. But you are not your prototypical Big Ten team. You are different than any other Big Ten team. I mean, when Indiana and Illinois play this year, that's going to be a contrast in styles. Just a crazy contrast in styles. Whereas last year, both teams could kind of muck it up a little bit if they really wanted to. Illinois, when they shot the ball well, that covered what was otherwise not the the most fast-paced team. Because they didn't have a whole lot of speedy guys, really. I mean, when you got a DeMonte and a Jacob Grandison, you can't really run the ball like this team for sure. So it's it's quite impressive what we've seen so far. And while I understand if anyone is a little bit apprehensive just because you haven't played anybody yet, I'm glad that this weekend is coming as it does because you have a lot of confidence after the first three games. And if you just get one, there is a validating element to that. There's a, oh, oh, okay, this team is legit top 15, top 20 good. I think they are. So I expect them to prove that this weekend, whether it be in the guise of two really close losses or a split or, hey, you win both. And then you're the talk of college basketball after a weekend like that. The great thing about this season, though, there's not an antsiness. There's not this edge to how I'm watching these games and rooting for this team. They got the banner last year, so that took, I cannot tell you how much pressure that took off of being a fan. I I wanted something tangible because it had been high school since they'd done that. Well, you got that monkey off your back, and you got all these new faces, and you feel as a program that you're just in a really healthy spot. It is taking that fan pressure, which I've often talked about, away from this and, and letting me just kind of enjoy the ride. What's funny about, if I were to contrast that with Illinois football, I was enjoying the ride when they beat Wisconsin. At that point, I wasn't even talking Big Ten title, right? It was only after the Minnesota win when I start looking at Indianapolis hotels, refundable, so it was not a jinx. No such thing as jinxes. But it was only after that where, oh, okay, now I start feeling that pressure every time they step on the football field. Because it was right there, that tangible banner for Big Ten West, you know, that was right there. And now it's not because they blew it. They choked. And I hate to be so mean, but they piss me off when I think about it. Maybe I should chill out and be nicer. Because, but yeah, that, that, that is why this season, it's sort of okay. Just watch. Watch them grow, and they will grow. And watch them get some big wins, because they will get some big wins. And watch them occasionally lay an egg, but not be as pissed off, because you don't feel like, if we don't do it this year, we'll never do it. 
I think you're past that point, given how you're recruiting, given this staff, given this freshman class. Good God. These four freshmen, I mean, in some world, if they were to be here all as juniors, because you can't bank on anything in terms of year-to-year continuity, but if they all make it even to their junior year, and you had these four guys, I wouldn't be surprised if all four guys were starting their junior year, and then you get a big, and then you're just ridiculously good. Listen, this this freshman class, and keep in mind, I'm saying this is the guy that compared Mark Smith, that recruitment to getting D. Brown. Whoops. But if the early returns are any indication, and the recruiting rankings as well said this, this was the best class since D. Darren and Augie. And while they would have to accomplish a lot to get to that level, boy, what a healthy program they've walked into, and it will be made only healthier by the time they're done with it. So it's nice to just kind of sit back and somewhat like the early 2000s, like let's say year two of Bill Self, even though there were some frustrations in year two, but year three, let's say with Brian Cook and all those freshmen, you just kind of sat back and enjoyed it. And they were a game away from winning another Big Ten title. They won the Big Ten tournament title that year. Yeah, I'm I'm just enjoying this right now. And some of you may listen to this and think, okay, well, Carp says this, but then he always finds some reason to get pissed off. There's a lot of truth to that. But I just feel at ease watching Illinois basketball now because it does feel like the thing that was keeping me so tight and so tense was this sense of, oh, we'll never get back to that place. That place being consistently winning, making tournaments. Well, you're back there. I mean, three straight years that you were a tournament team. I know there was not a tournament three years ago, but we know they would have been. Three straight years being a tournament team, three years being at the very top of the Big Ten, essentially, and that's only going to continue. So you're back at that level, and now you're in a tournament against teams that all are like national title contender teams, and I'm thinking, well, why wouldn't we be that? I mean, essentially, we aren't only because these are a bunch of faces that people don't know, okay, how's this team going to come together? So I will take that wait-and-see approach, but I get the feeling that along the way there's going to be a lot of fun. And boy, oh boy, they just fly. They just fly around the basketball court. It's invigorating. Um, Going to the stadium now, I mean, you just kind of sense when I was there Friday, an overall sense of just excitement and, and joy. And a fan base that does feel like it's at ease, not in a sort of resting on your laurels. I think we all appreciate this, and we aren't taking anything for granted But I did sense, and this might sound lofty, but I think it's true. I did sense an overall feeling of gratitude that fans on that Friday night were able to go back to the stadium for a banner raising and then watch a really fun product. And isn't that what it is at the end of the day, now that these guys are name, image, likeness? This is a damn good basketball product. I mean, this is fun to watch. It is worth buying tickets to go see. And even for the games they might lay a clunker, it's hard to imagine that this team's not going to still keep you entertained. There have been good teams in the past, and even the I.O. and Kofi years, where if they laid an egg, it was just kind of stagnant and plodding, and it could be a chore to get through a couple of those games. Not many, though, because they won most of them. I don't know about this team. I wonder if even the losses will be beautifully ugly, (laughs) like just beautifully messy, perhaps. But here we are. You know, We got a major, major opportunity this weekend, and the cool thing is... Even if you don't get a win out there, I still think there are ways that you can walk out of it feeling better about yourself. I expect them to get a win, though. Which one? I don't know. 
And I'm done making predictions because I've clearly jinxed this football team to hell and having done that. All right, before we go, uh, you know, anything more about football? I don't know. I The cold, cloudy weather doesn't help. It doesn't. And it's funny how, like, the season turned when the weather turned. You had the windiest freaking day of all days for that stupid Michigan State game. Though, sorry, you still got to find a way to win that. But really, the Purdue game is the one that's going to stick in our craw for a long time if this team doesn't find their way back to a Big Ten title opportunity. There was a moment on Monday, and this is when you know my entire mindset has changed. And I realize this may not be the healthiest. But Brett Bielema, I think in his press conference, said, you know, we went four for four in the red zone. You guys aren't really talking about that. And my only thought is, shut up, Brett. Which, okay, that's childish perhaps of me to say. But it's like, don't get surly because you guys choked. So this is the first major chink in the armor against a coaching staff that I've been super high on. And even after the Indiana game, I thought, listen, this this is the coaching staff. I'm just pissed off at this moment. After the Michigan State game, this is the coaching staff. I believe in him. I'm just pissed off in this moment. But as I mentioned on Sunday, the way that the Purdue game unfolded and the overall manner in which you played and whatever sort of mindset you need to have on senior day. I mean, Jesus Christ, Alex Palchewski was having terrible penalties. Calvin Avery, terrible penalties. Just boneheaded stuff left and right. And I know the refs didn't help, but sorry. I, I, you got to have enough to beat Purdue, even with a couple of botch calls. Like With everything that was at stake, that was how they responded. So I am in the anger stage, as I mentioned earlier this podcast. I'm, I'm pissed off at them. I'm pissed off at the coaching staff. I'm pissed that the opportunity for a special season is basically like razor thin. Like You aren't probably going to see it unless they beat a Michigan. And the Northwestern game is going to be, okay, please be at 11 a.m. so I don't need to wait until 2 freaking 30 to watch us play Northwestern. Ugh. It just, God, it felt so good. And now, out of self-preservation, I've basically forgotten about it. Consciously. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about this team. They aggravate me at the moment. And I may look back on this and laugh and think, wait a second. It's year two of a coaching staff that went from five wins to seven. And I think they'll finish with eight, maybe nine. That's improvement. And someday we'll look back in the media guides perhaps and say, hey, that was still a really good year too. They had a crazy winning streak and then they fell back down to earth, but it was a stepping stone in this program. That very well may be what happens. But having seen this story before, there's that pit in your stomach which thinks, damn it, the opportunity to really take that step was right there and we blew it because we couldn't beat Purdue? I mean, think about this. Back in 2011, you were 6-0. It's weird how the Michigan State game this year and the Stripe the Stadium Ohio State game back in 2011 felt in terms of games that never quite got off the ground and it didn't feel right. And then, oddly enough, the very next week when that team was 6-1 and one, and they go on the road, they could rebound against Purdue back in 2011. Of course, they didn't. They lose to Purdue. They lose the cannon again because that's what the stupid football program does is lose to another stupid football program in Purdue. And we did it again. And you watch this game and it goes on and on and on. You're like, what the hell is going on? You get a sense of urgency as a fan, but it appears the team doesn't have a sense of urgency themselves. That I don't understand. I don't. And while it may be that they did try, I don't think it's a question of effort. 
sometimes you just got to try harder. You just got to do more. And this team just fell apart. They did. I mean, I know they only lost by seven, and against Michigan State, they lost by eight. So these are single-possession losses. You were not getting blown out. But it's not as if Michigan State or Purdue are good either. And these would have been disappointing losses, even in years that you weren't competing for a Big Ten West title. On their own, in those 60 minutes of game time, they were disappointing. They're even more disappointing because he actually had something to play for. So it's damn frustrating and... You know, how do I, when we're up in Michigan and I'm excited to watch it with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law at their place and stay in the warmth and not really worry about it. And if they lose, which I expect them to, whatever. The day goes on, we get it out of the way early. That's all fine and good. But, you know, even when it's just a casual question about, hey, what what happened? Like, you guys were 7-1, what happened? And then I just shake my head and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And all I can really respond with is they choked. Maybe I'm being unfair. But I'm, I'm a little bit sick of it. I'm a little bit sick of disappointment with Illinois football. And uh, boy, have they fed it to us <laughs> many times. I just didn't expect the way that this team was playing that it was going to happen this soon, this quick. I actually thought it was going to go the opposite direction. And what I've tried to do over the years is, as a fan, not fall in that Murphy's Law trap where I expect everything to go wrong because there's not a lot of science that would back that up. Eventually, when you start believing in jinxes and hexes, it's superstition. There, there's no proof that bears that out. But eventually, when things like that happen where you lose two very winnable home games and you essentially lose any ground that you gained with the fan base in two weeks, you just shake your head and you say, why bother? Why bother? Until they really prove it. And then we're just you know, raising that bar more and more. And maybe I should. Maybe I should continue raising that bar and say, hey, until you guys make three bowl games in a row, I'm not going to treat you like a legit program. Maybe that's, maybe that's the approach. And just trying to sit back and enjoy the process for what it is because maybe it is part of the process. But within that process, can't beat Purdue. Let's not get too complicated about it. You should beat Purdue. We'll see what Purdue does against Northwestern. It doesn't matter, though. You aren't going to the Big Ten title game. What's going to be so infuriating is if Iowa wins out, they go to the Big Ten title game. Iowa. I don't want to watch that game if Illinois is not in it. And they won't be. So I'm not going to watch the Big Ten tournament, Big Ten title game because I'll be thinking I wanted to be there that night. Why can't I get to experience this? And that sounds selfish, but why can't Illinois fans experience this? So, you know, God dang, it's, do you ever just shake your head and say, what a bunch of losers? And I know that's just a very immature thing to say, but I've had those moments this week. What a bunch of freaking losers. Well, they're seven and three, they aren't losers, but the last two weeks they were at the worst possible time. So I'm just pissed off. Sorry about that. All right, well, that's all I got on this podcast. I, I hope not to be too much of a downer. That's why I tried to do the not-so-compliment comp- sandwich. I really did the insult sandwich. Insult Illinois football at the beginning and end. Put the good Illinois basketball stuff in the middle. We'll see what happens this weekend. Overall wins for Illinois basketball slash football over under one and a half. I think most would say under, understandably so. One win for basketball. Football's not going to win. But if they do... I'll be at the ready for an emergency podcast, and I'd be happy as a clam. I would be. That would be the kind of thing that would get people, oh, okay, hey, you're forgiven. Even if you, here's the thing, even if you don't make it to Indy, 
and you beat Michigan, and you beat Northwestern, and you're 9-3, and three, and you avoid the sure loss against an Ohio State. Okay, that's fine. Maybe I didn't need that trip to Indy. I don't know. Like, if this game gets in the fourth quarter, and Illinois is within a score at Michigan, I will start feeling that, oh, God, please win. Win! Make up for the last two weeks, because I think it would. I really do. So let's end on a happy note. If they beat Michigan, it does make up for the last two weeks, regardless of if you win the Big Ten West. Because that raises a hell of a lot more eyebrows than, I think, going into the Big Ten title game and getting your butts kicked by Ohio State, which I think is probably what would happen at this point, given the way this team has played. But on a freezing cold day in Ann Arbor where no one's really going to look that good, can you find your way to a muck-it-up win? I mean, the defense is healthy. You know, I... I don't think the offense is going to score much. I mean, the over-under, what is it in this game? It has to be under 40. I take the under. I mean, we're probably looking at a very low-scoring game if the defense plays like they used to play. I don't know if I expect that, though. Ugh. But, man, if, they, if they're if they in a one-score game in the fourth quarter, <laughs> oh, my God, I'll have to go pour strong whiskey and just try to calm my nerves and say, okay, okay, It's if they don't win, that's what you expected. Don't get upset. Uh, the mind games that you got to play when you watch sports. All right, but we will, I'll have my equipment in case we need to pod this weekend for any reason. And uh, let's hope for some good news. Let's hope for that. Whether it comes in the form of winning that tournament in Vegas or, God forbid, pulling the upset in Ann Arbor. Got to thank DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com, Rector Construction Online at R-E-C-T-O-R Construction.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call today at 217-841-4728 and get your furnace checkup. It's freaking cold out. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy and he can be your guy as well. Want to thank you all for tuning in, for watching on YouTube, and we will be back probably sometime this weekend in case something is worth talking about. If we lose all three games, I'll just see you Monday because <laughs> you'll probably want to go enjoy your weekend, not think about another loss. But maybe we'll get one or two in there, and I'll, I'll be at the ready in case we do. In the meantime, stay warm, stay safe, stay healthy, all that good stuff, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 level. <laughs>